Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 139. Thank you for joining us. Today, Bonnie, Jordan, and I are joined by homeschooling father, you marry professor, Canticle Productions founder, and producer and lead actor in the film Sanctified, Daniel Belinsky. Daniel talks to us about the process of making films, aspects of storytelling, and being a faithful Catholic in the entertainment industry. Please check our show notes for information on how you can watch Sanctified along with the rest of the Colby community during Catholic Schools Week, or if you're tuning in later, where you can find out more about this film. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. And I'm Jordan. As a product of homeschooling, I'm proud to teach Greek and Latin for Colby online and serve as the alumni and public relations director. I've got Stephen and Jordan here with me for what promises to be a great conversation. Hi, Stephen. Have you seen any good movies lately? Hi, Bonnie. I probably would have to think about that. Um, I haven't been watching high quality movies recently, just <laughs> fun ones, I think. Okay. So. Okay. There's a place for that. All right. Hey, Jordan, what about you? Um, any good movies? No, not really. Uh, some sports, a lot of sports. <laughs> yeah. That's all I make time for to watch, really. But um, that's why I'm excited about this episode. So we can talk about some good upcoming uh, film. Definitely, the sports doesn't leave a lot of time for the movies. Um, over the weekend, I watched Searching for Bobby Fisher with my younger son, who's 15. And the mom in that movie is named Bonnie, which is kind of fun for me because I don't encounter too many people with my same name. Uh, my freshman year of college, there were three of us, three Bonnies on my dorm floor. So that was kind of an anomaly. But since then, I don't encounter too many. And anyway, that's kind of fun. Anyhow, our guest today is a filmmaker and a Catholic homeschooling dad who has made a movie that tells a story of grit, redemption, and friendship. It's called Sanctified. Colby Academy is hosting a special screening of the movie as part of our Catholic Schools Week celebration. So we'll tell you more about how to be a part of that as well a little bit later on. First, let's meet and visit with Daniel Belinsky. Hello, and welcome to the Colby cast. Yeah, thanks for having me. We've been looking forward to this. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. So filmmaker, Catholic homeschooling dad, you're also the chair of the dramatic arts department at UMary as a, a Newman Guide School. We heard about in episode 123, so we'll have a link to that in our show notes. What else would you have us know about you or what more can you tell us about those and other aspects of yourself? Yeah, well, I guess that's the, the big points, I guess. I have a company called Canticle Productions. I live in Bismarck with my wife and five kids. We've got kids from age one to 10. Um, so we're in the thick of it in terms of uh, Catholic homeschooling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've worked at the University of Mary uh, for eight years. Uh, we moved from New York City back in 2015 um, when we had two kids uh, at that point. And now we've got five. And uh, you know, the culture here was uh, much more conducive to uh, our kind of living. Okay, so back. So is is North Dakota where you're from or your wife is from? Or is that home to you guys? No, I grew up in Wisconsin. My wife grew up in Kansas. Uh, and then we went to Ave Maria University down in Florida together. That's where we met. 
Um, afterwards, I went to graduate school at Columbia University, and she went to Westminster Choir College in Princeton, got her degree in sacred music choral conducting. Uh, we got married while I was still a student there and started having babies right away because we couldn't wait to homeschool. Uh, there's the Colby plug. Um, and uh, then, um, yeah, after I graduated, I, I spent a couple years uh, just in, in New York City um, working as an actor. And then I got a call from the University of Mary asking me to come out and uh, apply for the new position that they were creating. And um, I thought originally North Dakota, I don't know about that. But um, uh, when I came out and visited, it just felt like home. You know, I, having grown up in Wisconsin, Lillian being from Kansas, um, it just felt like a good place to raise a family. And it has been a really wonderful community of uh, Catholic homeschooling parents here in, in Bismarck. And so, um, yeah, we we're big fans of Bismarck now. It sounds like a great place. It was appealing when we were talking to Monsignor Shea on that episode that I mentioned before. So then how did your production company, what's the story of that, Canticle Productions? How'd that come to be? Mm -hmm. uh, so when I first moved to North Dakota, I started writing and producing short films in collaboration with the faculty here and um, with some local filmmakers here. North Dakota in general has uh, very little filmmaking and essentially no professional filmmaking. Um, and uh, so it started with short films, but then um, by 2018, after a few years, I, I established Canticle Productions and um, we started moving into feature length films. And um, it, was a, it was a period um, of just me kind of getting my, getting my sea legs, I guess, um, in terms of filmmaking. Uh, and the kinds of stories that I wanted to tell, clarifying that vision for myself. And um, my wife came up with the name for the company, Canticle Productions. Canticle, of course, means song of praise to God. And um, I feel like uh, that that's the right title for the company. <laughs> and um, it's helped me kind of stay on track and help discern what projects are uh, meant to be canticle projects. The company has grown up around North Dakota and telling North Dakota stories. Um, but these, th there's also just some very, very beautiful North Dakota stories to be told that aren't just, you know, going to be entertaining to North Dakotans, but really, I think, have a commercial value and, and uh, an artistic merit that cross is over uh, no matter where you live. Um, certainly stories that celebrate uh, perseverance and uh, faith and courage in ways that uh, are that are very complementary towards our, our Catholic faith. Um, and so the goal of the company is, is to glorify God through this storytelling, uh, mostly true stories that we're doing sanctified as an exception but glorifying god through our storytelling um, in ways that don't come across as as preachy or in your face but still weaving religious themes and um, themes of of uh, faith and moral virtue into the actual fabric of the storytelling um, and i feel like that that um by focusing on telling a good story right from the get-go that being our primary goal we 
create a project project that's not uh, that is intrinsically Catholic, uh, but not something that audiences who aren't Catholic can just shove aside and say, "Wow, that's a faith-based film." Um, we don't want to see that kind of that kind of stuff. I think it's tricky too uh, because uh, faith-based films can get a bad rap. Um, oftentimes, I think because they focus more on the message than on the the quality of the storytelling. Perhaps it's just I don't know any of those filmmakers uh, well. I would say, um, but it, it could just be a different different view of what filmmaking is supposed to be or what their kind of filmmaking is is meant to be because there's no doubt about it that um, some of the overtly Christian films uh, that don't necessarily have very high production value or very elaborately constructed narratives there's no doubt that they can do very well commercially and that there's an audience for them um, and so I wouldn't um, just dismiss them and say oh that's that those films are uh, failures. It's just the they're very successful. They're they're successful at uh, perhaps what the filmmakers set out to do. Um, it's just that Canticle perhaps is not setting out to do what those films do. So, um, Daniel, would you sort of describe that as uh, you know the the clients that do well with their overtly overtly targeting one group or something like that i i always felt like i guess growing being a musician when i was young and and i was an evangelical and people would say you know you should play worship music or the kind of music that would be sold in christian bookstores i was always interested in i'm like no i i, I would like to play stuff that would be sold or be on the radio or be you know be in the the mainstream and there was always this sort of divide between the two my thought has always been, why can't we do things that are that are better than what they're doing? And, and we don't have to pigeonhole ourselves into like just one other aspect of the market. Like you, you, you only appeal to these people. I mean, would you describe it, that that's kind of what's going on with your production company? You're, you're, you're not you're wanting to be able to appeal to anybody. Anybody that watches it can say this was a great film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that is the goal. Uh, that is the goal. Uh, and I feel like uh, telling true stories is also a great way to to capture that because you just can't deny a story that's true, <laughs> that's based on a, an actual historical event. So for instance, there's this one project that we're developing right now um, called Hazel. And uh, it's about this 16-year-old farm girl in 1920 in Center, North Dakota, she was on the way home from school in the wagon, horse-drawn wagon, when um, a, a blinding blizzard hit. She was with her two younger siblings, and uh, the wagon ended up flipping over, and she kept them alive through sub-zero temperatures for 25 hours, uh, singing songs and praying and playing games and uh, doing exercises, whatever she could do to keep them awake and keep them from freezing to death. In the end, it gave her life for them uh, laid down her life for 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 them so a, a beautiful essentially a saint story um a, a beautiful story of um of, of sacrifice uh and and heroism on the part of this 15 year old farm girl um but i think of it as a very 
Christian story. Um, and uh, it's in a lot of ways, it'll be the most um, overtly Christian story that we've made, but I have no doubt that we'll be able to pack the theaters and, and get people in because this is a true story and it's, it's moving no matter what faith background you have. Um, it's just a, it's just a powerful story. So if we can, if we can get people in the theater or, or tuning in, you know, streaming um, on the basis of these really powerful true stories um, and then, you know, sneak up on them from behind and catechize them, <laughs> you know, that way, uh, then I, that was how a priest friend of mine described it. Um, <laughs> then, then great. You know, it's, again, it's like weaving the, the imagery, the Christian themes into the actual fabric of the storytelling, rather than saying, you know, now we're going to stop the story and we're going to tell you a little bit about God. Uh, and, uh, or we're going to sing a song about God. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, Two minutes later, it's like commercial breaks over. Now let's jump back into the story, um, which I feel like, you know, uh, some films might fall into. Again, not taking away from, I, I think it's just, there's tremendously talented people, people who are far more talented than I, who are involved in the making of uh, these movies. I think it's really just a question of, of intentions because um, they know what they're making. Um, they just, uh, they, they see, uh, value and power in making that kind of film. And so I don't want to be dismissive of what they're doing, but yeah, it's in answer to your question. Um, it's, it's not what my company is, is growing up around anyway. I have to ask some of these questions because I have a son who of his many career dreams is to make movies one day. And now, and I know we've got a bunch of Colby students who just would love that sort of thing too. And since we've got this opportunity, could you tell us a little bit about you know that that journey for you, like when that desire started, and then going to a, a, a major university, studying that, and then acting in New York? Like so, like what? Like my son's, I think, thinking Endgame with Lord of the Rings and all of the other big movies combined into some gigantic Hollywood thing. But maybe both what led you kind of there and then away from that mainstream Hollywood over into lovely North Dakota, where it's, where it's good to raise families. Yeah, well, uh, to, to be clear, it's not like I was turning down offers to work with Brad Pitt. Um, <laughs> just like get that off the table right now. Um, but what I, what I would say, I mean, in terms of how I got into it, I, I got roped into... Um, acting in high school and then when I got to Ave Maria um, it started really taking off as a passion and a love of mine and I was very introverted at that point and it was um, a great release for me and um, a, a way to you know express myself and find something that I loved you know uh, before that I thought I wanted to be a lawyer um, or, or something silly like that you know <laughs> <laughs> of course not but um, uh, and then yeah going going to Colombia, um, it was a, it was definitely a jungle and I'm grateful for my, uh, a moral jungle that is, and I'm grateful for my time at, uh, Ave Maria University and definitely grateful for my wife. She kept me a lot, she kept me, um, uh, safe, I would say during my time at Columbia and, um, sane and alive probably, um, during, during my time there. I think, um, in terms of the, the work that um, 
I'm doing now with Canticle. The dream was always for me initially to become an actor um, and to, to work as, as an actor. I, I, I spent time working and not working as an actor in New York City. There's no lack of extremely talented actors living in New York and Los Angeles and Chicago and big markets. What I've realized just in creating my own company um, it's just driven home to me more and more is how uh, how limited the power is that an actor has. An actor stands where the director tells them to stand and says the words that the writer puts into their mouth. Um, and so it's always kind of ironic to me to see the actors up there talking, you know, on the late night television shows as if it's like, this is their movie. <laughs> Yeah. They showed up for three weeks and lived in a trailer and um, were drinking sangria um, while the rest of the people worked for years to get these things off the ground. And um, and of course, they made beautiful and valuable contributions to the storytelling. Um, but there's there's people who gave blood, sweat and tears for a long time to make it happen. And uh, also you. You see it uh, with actors as they move further along in their career, they start their own production companies. They become producers on the projects um, because they want to say in the kinds of stories that they're putting out there. And um, there's no lack of really horrifying movies that are coming out of Hollywood um, that are uh, absolutely hostile to Catholicism and um, traditional Christian values. And so it's been eye-opening for me to come here and be, to come to North Dakota and say, well, no one's gonna make, make these movies for me. Um, I'm going to have to make them myself. Uh, before I came here, I never would have thought, you know, that I could write or produce or do anything. And I've certainly made many, many mistakes along the way um, throughout the process, but now to be in the place where I'm curating stories that mean a lot to me as a Catholic and um, as, a, as an artist, as a father, uh, that's been a real gift. I mean, I've, God has blessed me in so many ways um, to, to give me the opportunities. We're, you know, we're finishing up our third feature film right now, and we have a slate of uh, many more that we're developing and financing, and that's um, those are all gifts from from God, and I don't take any of that for granted. Um, it's kind of as a guiding post for me is uh, are these are these movies something that my children that I'm going to be proud to show my children, and if they're not, then I shouldn't make it. <laughs> that that makes me want to ask. You say that you'd be proud for your kids to see. How do you balance like? violence and the, and the sort of profanity and those sorts of things to make things legitimate but, but also you know i mean do do you are you guarded with those things or how, how do you go about that yeah um well i'll maybe i'll answer the second question first i think as catholics we can't be afraid of uh of big questions um and we can't be afraid to address the the difficult matters of what it means to be human um and um 
violence and, and sin are part of the human condition. I think it's, it's even more important as uh, Catholic artists, and I mean, just generally uh, in the Catholic thinkers to address those, um, the, those issues, because we have the privilege and the gift of faith and being able to put them in the, in the right context. Um, and so I, I don't think I will ever want to shy away from uh, addressing very serious matters. And so I, I, I think that there's also a line um, that, that, that can be drawn where you can make a, a, a movie that's, that's adult and that deals with adult themes um, and very complicated moral issues but it doesn't um, drag you through the mud because films are also visual and, and visceral experiences. And um, I don't believe that you need to pepper in the F-bomb uh, every other sentence in order to capture reality, even if that is uh, reality for some people who exist in the world. Um, I think that that there's also a question of taste <laughs> too um and honestly movies that um that become gratuitous in any respect i feel like it undercuts the storytelling because it's distracting it's like if i'm trying to have a conversation with you right now and i'm also juggling balls in the air at the time like you're going to be distracted by that that's not the point i'm talking to you uh the the words that i'm saying are what the this is the storytelling. So um, I feel like you need, we need to be um, careful, tactful, and tasteful about um, uh, about how far we go in any of those um, respects. I don't think I'll ever make a movie that's rated more, um, uh, that's rated beyond a PG-13. I don't think I would ever um, do that. I guess never saying never. Passion of the Christ was rated R, but... I think uh, I, I think hopefully that I'll always have that kind of taste. I, I think it's also like been a it's a journey for me too. Um, like I've learned, I, I feel like I've been able to clarify my vision as a filmmaker over the past couple of years. So so um, so much more than I had in the past, and so even um, you know in in past work or in sanctified, like it's not a perfect film in in in, in many ways. Um, but uh, I think it, I, I've come to kind of accept, well, this is kind of where we are on the journey um, and uh, the journey towards perfection, you know, that, that we'll never get. You know, you mentioned that with Hollywood and, and a lot of the movies that are coming out. Movies, they're, they're, they're just, to me, they're just not good. Like I, I have a bias for all of pop culture up until around the time, around the year 2000. I feel like right, right in there for some reason, mainstream music is no longer good and it's not really developing it feels like we're in some sort of stagnation um and all these remakes of movies and and you can't really tell you can't tell a difference I, except for superficially in a lot of what comes out i think um so i wanted to you know if you had any thoughts about that and what what your production group is is doing I, i'm hopeful that and from the trailer that i've seen and, and from what you're describing i'm hopeful that that this just hitting the mark of truth with quality it's it's like a a way to breathe fresh air like this is this is like a good movie this is something that 
you know, because I always I always talk about how much better movies were. It'd be awesome to find some new ones like this. I think it's I mean, it's easier now than it ever was in the history of cinema and in the history of music to make movies, to make to make music. And heaven knows we're bombarded with that. You know, any any 15 year old kid can uh, make a song and put it up on YouTube and maybe it'll go viral or whatever the case may be. I think the availability of film equipment and uh, editing software uh, lets people make uh, movies at a much higher bar than ever before and that um, it's a reason why uh, a lot of films you know get made that maybe before <laughs> before 20 years ago uh, they were they they wouldn't have made the cut but I I think what it comes down to I, I I'm certainly no expert in it but the the studio system has changed a lot recently and now there's just the the tentpole movies the superhero movies that come out and uh, the people who own the major studios are are motivated by business decisions um, and uh, they need to make money and so that means they're only making their 200 million dollar tentpole movies then that's what they're gonna that's what they're gonna do um, I think there's a tremendous amount of creative people um, working on these films. I don't ever want to dismiss. I I know how hard it is to make a film, even you know the the independent films that we're making. So uh, it's it's I never want to uh, not appreciate the the skill and the talent that goes into making even the movies that we can so quickly dismiss as well oh, that's a bunch of garbage um <laughs> it's it's hard to say that but then there's thousands of talented people who worked on it the problem is you know it comes down to the actual storytelling you can watch a movie that cost 400 million dollars to make um, but the story is broken or the story is just deliberately um you know it, it's just hostile to what we value and we're like man what a piece of garbage that was um, but there were some extremely talented gaffers and grips working on that film. <laughs> there was an extremely talented costume designer who poured her heart and soul into making things look absolutely phenomenal. Um, but it's so, you know, it's so easy for us to dismiss and say garbage, mm -hmm. garbage. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I think what what makes it what makes it garbage and what makes it such a uh, tragedy is that the story itself, that the people in charge of storytelling, um, storytelling really shapes culture, I think, and Hollywood being at the forefront of storytelling in this day and age. People don't read books anymore. Uh, they, they, they watch movies and, and television and um, Hollywood being at the forefront of that storytelling, there's something broken up at the top at the um, at the place where these stories are curated um, and that trickles down and drags everything down, I think. And, um, it was what makes, I think, um, it dangerous, the, a lot of the, so many of the movies that come out because they're telling lies about, uh, about human existence and uh, where we should be placing um, our, our faith and trust in, in this world. 
so the, I, I feel like movies can be a great um, tool for good and a great tool for, for evil. Fortunately, I think they're used for the latter a lot more frequently. I like that you're taking things from a local level, though. I grew up in rural Wisconsin um, and graduated from high school in the 90s. But even at that point, the people I grew up with, I was related to almost everybody in the entire county. People did not move from an area. So there is a certain experience that we all had and shared that people outside our area, that was different, at least for them. And I like that. I like this idea of taking what's there in North Dakota, these true stories that that show an experience that that these people who are probably a little bit different than people who grew up in the Los Angeles area or, you know, many other areas and telling that story in a way to kind of that's that's unique. It's not just this whitewashed sort of now now with the Internet, we all have a, a much more similar experience. I mean, I suppose once TV came out and everybody's watching the same TV shows, it was to a certain extent that was true. Now I think it's even more so with the Internet. But I like that you're getting back to those roots and uh, telling a story of a, a people that might be that, that will be more unique than some of us that an experience that, that we're not familiar with yeah i think the goal is to make stories that are unique and yet universal at the same time uh, and i've north dakota at least the history of white man in north dakota is short it started coming in the 1870s 1880s and so the the history is much shorter compared to that of you know any of the states on the east coast for instance uh and yet there's been a a, a tremendous number of really fascinating true stories that i think are not that that are north dakotan uh but that cross over and uh, i think have both commercial potential and um just entertainment potential um instructive potential for people no matter where they're from uh, at this point the I mean, there I've been approached with a few projects that are um, that are outside of North Dakota. So I, I think, you know, as the as the company grows, it'll it'll be taking on other uh, projects. But as long as we remain true to the mission of glorifying God through good storytelling, I think uh, I think we'll be in we'll be in safe waters. I think um, uh, again, going back to what we were saying before, telling telling true stories makes the content undeniable in a way. And um, if we're telling these true stories through a Christian lens, um, we'll be again in in safe waters. So, how do you then identify the stories that you want to tell, and and what sort of research do you do to develop those, and and come to the point where you? produce them for the screen? Well, it's a combination of God bringing the right story my way and then also providing the financial resources to develop it. Sure. <laughs> right? yeah. Because um, it's an immensely practical thing as well. You can't make movies without funding. And that um, it goes back a little bit, I think, to the previous question, you know, like, this is a North Dakota based company because I'm here um, in North Dakota and there have been a, a wonderful outpouring of people who are just interested in helping to make these North Dakota projects uh, come to life because they have a, 
uh, you know, a personal emotional investment in, in them. Or they can say, that was my grandfather's experience or my grandfather or grandmother was literally involved in the event that you're, that you're telling. So um, fi finding stories that um, appeal to the people um, is, is um, I think can not only make creative sense, but business sense as well. And I always have to have that yeah. uh, in mind. People have started bringing me projects, um, ideas, and you know, books that, that have been written, or their own personal histories. And um, so sometimes uh, a project will really pop yeah. there, and I'll be like, "Wow, that's an amazing story." And hmm. um, other times, you know, I'm doing my own research for uh, for one project, and then I find, you know. Uh, a little blurb about another project, and it'll be like, "Wow, that that would make a great story too." Um, and so sometimes I'm I'm making this uh, film that's an adaptation of the story of Saint Tarsicius, who was an early boy martyr in the church, um, died protecting the Eucharist from a gang bullies, and um, I was approached first by a priest in the diocese about making something that fits into the Eucharistic. Uh, revival that's going on in the church right now and um that kind of inspired that idea so i i think uh, it's it's usually not me in my bedroom staring at the wall thinking what would make a good movie um, <laughs> it's usually some people coming to me with an idea that maybe i won't go with that idea but maybe it inspires something new mm -hmm. um, but usually i have a good sense of pretty quickly it's like oh that that would be a really powerful story. It's just a just a good story, you know. If if you start from that from that point, like there's one story I'm I'm doing about this French prince who came in the 1880s to the middle of the North Dakota Badlands to establish a meatpacking empire, um, and he was he essentially founded like Downton Abbey up on the hill, and then he it was living, and then down below uh, the people who worked for his company, it was like Deadwood, um, like the riffraff of the world were gathered there. Um, so these two worlds colliding. What I mean, such an, an amazing true story. Yeah. And how uh, I hear that, and there's nothing um, that pops off the page immediately. Like, how is this? Um, how is this a Christian story? How is this a Catholic story? But then, um, uh, once you dive into the story, and um, and I start writing or start you know crafting the narrative, then I think um, it's part of who I am as a person that it'll kind of come out in a certain way um not in any way to compare myself with Tolkien um who is a genius a thousand times over but um I, I think what did he say about the Lord of the Rings that it was Catholic not necessarily in the original writing but in the revision stage I, I think is what he said is like then he become um consciously like oh I'm going to develop this thing because this you know uh this harkens back to this or that uh, element of of the Catholic faith, um, but when it first came out, it was it was a Catholic story because of who he was. You know, the story came out of him, um, and so to a much much smaller degree, I, I feel like that's how um, the Canticle projects are coming out as well, um, where there are these there's there's a story, there's a true story. But after it sort of passes through whatever creative artistry that I have, um, it comes out as a, um, 
hopefully in a in a way that really does give glorify glory to god um and um and and honors the good the true and the beautiful in uh in really tangible ways well let's talk a bit more about your film sanctified uh, this is this film is going to be part of colby's celebration of catholic schools week in the year 2023 when this if you're listening to this episode when it comes out part of the festivities include a screening of this movie sanctified could you tell us a bit more about the story sure sanctified is about an outlaw who is betrayed by his gang and he's left for dead in the middle of the north dakota badlands in 18 in 1890 and he's picked up by this benedictine nun and nursed back to health in exchange for uh, him guiding her through the Badlands to a church uh, at the opposite end of the Badlands. And so it's uh, it's essentially putting a nun and an outlaw on a road trip together. Um, it's this redemption story um, in the guise of an old action-packed Western film. Mm -hmm. At its heart, it's really a friendship story between these two unlikely people, uh, outlaw and nun. Um, and uh, the redemption of this broken man through the care of uh, this good woman. I'd be curious to see how they, how they, how she encountered him. Um, yeah. You know, because some of those things are like the hardest, probably. I, I know it's like a, trying to write stories and, and stuff like that sometimes. And I've thought about this with uh, with film also, how do you show the same thing that, that you can tell? So it's like when you see, let's say the, the cartoon, Disney's cartoon, Beauty and the Beast. And at the end, when he like resurrects essentially and becomes a man, they can only show these different aspects of it because you can't really portray that. And I know that even like if you're if you're so in sanctified the the nun comes to and they find each other in some way um i i guess from the outside something like that seems like it would be the challenge in showing it in a credible way what yeah. other what other challenges i mean do you find what what's what's really hard to show that maybe people don't expect what's really hard to to account for in making a film i guess um yeah, well, maybe I can talk story-wise and then more practically in terms of shooting a film. Um, yeah, story-wise, so I, the history of the project is I wrote an original script um, several years ago, and then our, I showed it to our director, Nick Swedland, who's out of Minneapolis, and then he had some great ideas and he did a lot of rewrites on it, and it became what is now Sanctified. So he he put a lot of himself in um in the story and actually even though he's not catholic i think it became more catholic uh, in the end because of his input which was interesting yeah. um and one of the things that was interesting to me just in coming up with the original story is uh, i wanted to present uh a nun in a way that was real and not um just a talking head nun who's um, spouting theology, um, but in in a way that's um, you know divorced from uh, real emotional stakes in in the story. And so, um, how do we create a complex character here um, with Sister Hildegard, uh, so that um, she goes through a journey over the course of the story 
um, but it's not just a whitewashed, you know, preachy character. That's sort of the the want want in an otherwise <laughs> entertaining story. Um, I think there's plenty of entertainment to be mined in the story. Just this, you know, you put a nun and an outlaw on a road trip together. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's what you'd expect. I mean, they they don't see eye to eye, and uh, when the and the outlaw uh, has his own you know, burdens to carry from the suffering that he's gone through in his life. And uh, he doesn't want to hear what she has to say. Um, and when she says, when she starts talking about God, he calls her out on it. And, um, you know, he thinks it's a bunch of nonsense, but that's, uh, that's what a, an outlaw would be doing <laughs> if he got stuck with a nun on a, on a road trip. So what is the journey of this outlaw? Uh, over the course of the story anyway that was that was kind of the challenge in in the storytelling um in making something that's almost gritty in a way like a, a gritty old school uh western um uh but also that had a very clear redemptive arc for uh for our outlaw character mm. uh in terms of you know practically making a movie um yeah i uh, i jokingly talk about making a movie is like having kids it's mostly pain with moments of great joy <laughs> that make it worth it um so uh, if i'm talking to homeschool parents i guess they'll they'll appreciate what i'm saying uh, i'm i'm joking i uh, of course um uh, have, having kids is tremendous joy but there's also <laughs> there's also a lot of hardship having uh having a movie um uh and seeing it through from birth until distribution is um is a big undertaking and um i think a, a labor of love that's also an immense collaboration and so you've got to care really deeply about it but you've also got to be able to let it go and just know that um you know it's not going to be perfect in a way, it's like parenting in that way, where it's, you know, you spend so much time and you um, worry and <laughs> yeah. uh, put so much of yourself into the project and then it's done and you're like, ah, you know, I wish I could go back and, may, and help in this or that way um, to, to make it better. But it's got to stand on its own two feet for now and I'll do better with the next one. <laughs> maybe that crossover doesn't work so well with parenting but um for, for filmmaking it's, it's what i got to keep telling myself um as well nothing will ever be perfect and filmmaking i mean you get a lot of you get a lot of artistic personalities a lot of creative temperaments um making movies and um you know there are this, this is my baby and i love it so much and uh i've poured blood sweat and tears in this and so i i think um it's important to find good collaborators who will work very hard but will also just understand in the end of the day that it's just a movie and uh, yeah and who who won't just go bananas when things don't don't go their way i think we have to be able to let things let things go and know that this that filmmaking and, and anything that we do in this world is never going to fill our cup, right? The cup will always <laughs> be half full. Um, the only thing that can fill our cup is God. And um, uh, if these, if Canticle films 
can do a little bit to glorify God and fill my cup in that way. I have to recognize their place um, in that um, in, in that process and not and not put myself and all all the work into them for their own sake. You know, that's when they become empty. I think. Yeah, again, I'm thinking of my son who's interested in movie making. And as you're talking about this likening to a parent with with a with a child, I'm thinking about the dirty diapers and the cleaning up messes and all of those things that go into. So I think just like anything, like playing a musical instrument or whatever, we're inclined to think, oh, wouldn't it be great if we were that great musician or this great movie maker or have this great movie? But then you realize, well, you only get there through all of this other work that isn't probably a large part isn't just this creative genius of the it's it's probably all the the nitty-gritty stuff that just grinds away your time but uh, yeah it's doing the diapers every day <laughs> so many diapers every day that's what I, i'm going to change my title actually from producer to diaper changer that's what <laughs> a lot of diapers on set and uh, beforehand I mean, like raising raising all the money. I mean, it starts with that. I mean, first it starts with finding the right the the idea, and then and then putting together the script, and then pitching it to the people. And that's what I'm doing now, just endlessly talking with people about um, about the projects and trying to get them on board to to finance it. And it's mm -hmm. it's the case whether whether you're pitching studio projects trying to get a hundred million dollars or whether you're trying to get a million dollars for an independent film um you've got to you've got to be a salesman um and believe in it so much and find those people who believe in the project as well um and it's and it's hard i mean and honestly like unless you're steven spielberg um the directors and producers are doing that all the time um like Jerry Bruckheimer has to go, has to fly over to pitch Tom Cruise on it, you know, on, on the next Top Gun movie. Um, and uh, like a lot is riding on that. If Tom Cruise doesn't say, yeah, that's, yeah, this is great. They're not going to get $300 million from the studio to make the film. So, yeah, I mean, it's about that kind of thankless work at the beginning, putting, getting the people on board who believe in the project. Um, and then putting together the team and making sure that they all are able to collaborate with each other and that um, they're, all, they're all good team players. I think that's really important, not only that they're talented, but um, that they'll work well together um, and taking care of all the diapers that come up, <laughs> all the conflicts of personalities that, that inevitably do come up. And uh, logistically, films are just like I... I I acted and I'm acting and sanctified, but I am not in the next feature film called End of the Rope. That's um, that we're just finishing up now, uh, post production, um, and I probably won't be doing all that much acting going forward. There's just too many things to to work. Mm -hmm. Just that their films are logistical nightmares. Um, and there's so many things that need to line up. If you get three or four weeks you're shooting on a, on a limited budget and you're shooting 12 hours a day um, and you're renting cameras and equipment and you're getting the actors there for specific periods of time and or crew there for specific periods of time um, and you're dealing with stunts and you're dealing with special effects or whatever the case may be there's just so many things in the air and things got to go smoothly otherwise the ship can sink 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I have plenty of people who come up to me on a film set and they'll be like, man, we're so glad we're not you. <laughs> like, thanks a lot. Thank you. <laughs> um, they, uh, because fil- f- filmmaking might be glamorous when you're an actor drinking a pina colada in a in your trailer, um, but it's a yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of hard work for um, for the crew um, of the film during production, whether that's three, four, five weeks. Or, and then for the producer team as well, and the director, um, going from the funding stage all the way through pre-production, production, post-production, and then distribution, getting it out there. Um, I mean, they say that, that, <laughs> that, that that's what people who are in distribution love to tell us, is like, making the movie is the easy part. <laughs> distributed and getting your money back is the hard part. I don't disagree with them, but... Um, it's it's eye-opening sure so sanctified is am i correct that it's showing in some parts of north dakota now but it's also and this is how colby families who don't live in the area can participate and get to see the film you can purchase tickets to stream it online is that can you tell us a little bit about how that works sure uh yeah sanctified has been running in uh theaters uh over the past few months and it'll continue to run. Um, all told, it'll be playing probably around 40 theaters around North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Montana. Okay. But um, yeah, we, uh, we're organizing a group viewing for the Colby community. And uh, I believe one of your staff will be sending out uh, a link um, to, the, uh, to the film uh, at the appropriate time. And you'll have like the weekend to view it. All right. All right. Yeah. So it could be family movie night. There will be a donation asked of, of families to participate in the, in the screening and the proceeds of that will go to Colby Academy's financial aid fund. So there's a, a window of time for that, for families to enjoy the movie that way. Uh, what ages would you recommend for viewing the movie? I would say um, maybe like a mature 10 year old or you know, from 11 upward. Okay. Um, yeah, there's, uh, if you've let your kids see Star Wars movies, I guess I'd equate it with that level of um, action, adventure, violence, that kind of, that kind of feel. Okay. Um, there is, uh, there is some occasional language. Um, there's no uh, sexual content or nudity at all. Okay. So in our show notes for this episode, we'll have links to how to participate in this viewing, but also to your website, Cage Productions website for that and the trailer for the movie and other inf- related information, some links to episodes we mentioned earlier in the conversation. It's neat to think of enjoying something like this with the other Colby families and to think of all the work that you've put into this and be on the lookout for your upcoming projects. Um, as we're wrapping up, do you have any final thoughts or takeaways for our listeners? Just that I love homeschooling. Okay, <laughs> good. The work that Colby is doing is really great and really important. Um, I think it's uh, nurturing um, our children um, in the home and instilling the values that are really important 
as well as intellectually forming them is um, is absolutely vital. Um, and uh, it's important to nurture young artists too. I think storytelling uh, has a tremendous amount of impact on culture and um, our culture is in trouble. So the more, uh, the more stories we can tell that bring people back to Christ, the, the better. So homeschoolers will, will save the world. If it's, if it's to be saved, they will save the world. Amen. It sure seems like the Colby curriculum really uh, sets children up to appreciate good stories. It kind of tunes them in a way to look for something more in a story and to enjoy something like what you are putting forth for us outside of school. Yeah. I just want to say thank you. It's been a, uh, it's been inspirational in a way. I think, I yeah. think our students are really going to like hearing this and their parents. And um, it's always nice to, to hear, you know, how, well, kind of the, the process and the motivations and that of creatives who are actually doing the work. And so I've really enjoyed the conversation. Just thank you for coming on with us. Oh yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. It's fun. Mm. I likewise really want to thank you for what you're doing with working to put out high quality, good stories and movies. You know, it's it used to be even just I think ten years ago when I would I have five children as well. Now they're age eight to eighteen, but uh, you could often watch things and you just be like, oh, well, that's a little bit of bad stuff. We just sort of kind of clean that up. We'll mute it. We'll skip that. But it's just things have gotten so. And meshed in the media that the the themes, the underlying things, it's just become hard to watch new things without without really having their perspectives of the world be changed in a bad way. So I appreciate that you're doing this so that we can still watch movies together and not have to worry about this corruption of of mind. I mean, yeah. In a way, it's almost like you think back movies in the 1940s and the 1950s, um, where you feel like, I mean, you could safely show any, essentially any of those movies to your children. Um, it's because it was just, you know, we're just telling a, a good old fashioned story here and we're not going to layer in uh, this stuff from our agenda. Um, yeah. It's over and, and, and over because you're right, you can't, you can't find much content out there nowadays that isn't laying it on pretty thick if it's not right on the surface it's like mm -hmm. you take a step in and then it's like oh well there it is yeah. a question i find myself asking more and more and it prompting my children to ask what's what's the agenda what's the motivation here yeah okay well this is certainly heartening to hear about the stories and that the work that you are doing and making available to us and and we'll keep our eye on Canticle Productions and, and what you have coming up soon and, and look forward to enjoying this film. Thank you so much, Daniel Belinsky, for coming to visit with us today. All our best to you. Thanks so much. Subscribe to the Colby Cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or a review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.